So just in verse 7 is we're going we're gonna to look at you know, just for a little while tonight. It says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear his voice. So that's the first point. The Holy Spirit speaks. So after this strong warning in uh, the previous verse, the author of Hebrews reminds the readers that the Holy Spirit is the one speaking. Uh, the author does not lean on his own authority or even on the authority of the psalmist whose writing he quotes in verse 7. He's bypassing human authority and goes straight to the divine source of Scripture. Now, we know, and I'm sure everyone here knows, that the Holy Spirit is God. Uh, He's a person. He's not not an influence or a force. Um, And we know that the Holy Spirit was heavily involved in the writing of the Bible. Uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter two, verse uh, sorry, chapter one, verse twenty-one is uh, one of the main verses that we know. For the it says, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit was was heavily involved in the writing of the Bible. Now, it would be good to do a study of the doctrine of revelation and inspiration here, but. Um, it would uh, be a, a bit of a sidetrack, unfortunately. But, but basically, we ought to remember that the Word of God is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Okay, And that's what the author is saying here. Say, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, and then he quotes Psalm 95, uh, which we'll see in a little while. And this is an important point because the Hebrew believers, who were the original recipients of this epistle, uh, needed deep spiritual change that can only come supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. The author of Hebrews uh, is not trying to convince them by his own uh, argumentation, by by some clever words that he's written. Uh, He's not trying to convince them by telling them how important that he is and they ought to follow his words. No, he, he just quotes scripture and he reminds them who wrote the scriptures. God and uh, the Holy Spirit is the one speaking. Real spiritual change in the believer only comes when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and convinces us of our great need for God. And we see that all throughout the Bible, of course. Uh, if you turn in your Bibles quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, we'll just look at a couple of verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just a few verses from verse 10, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 10 says, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can know what God wants us to know. And so we we have the Spirit of God. Um, And again, we know this from the Scriptures. All Christians, all of us who are believers here, have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of our body. You know, we're the temple of God, you know, we have the Holy Spirit in us. 
Um, Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 is where uh, one of the verses that uh, this doctrine comes from, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So there's no believer that doesn't have the Spirit of God indwelling. It says, if any man doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, that's the Holy Spirit, then he's not a Christian, he's not a believer. So this is part of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And again, this is a, a big study. Uh, we're not going to cover all the points tonight. But it, it's, it's vital that we understand and remember these things. It is the indwelling Holy Spirit who works in the believer uh, to sanctify the believer. <clears throat> We're not changed by our own willpower or self-discipline. We are not changed by others nagging us to change. Uh, we can pray for people. We can encourage other people. But in the end, it's only by the Holy Spirit that the believer is sanctified. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 uh, talks about this. Second Corinthians, so if you're still there in First Corinthians, just turn to Second Corinthians chapter 3. It says in verse 18, But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. It's very plain there, isn't it? Uh, our sanctification, that is our becoming more like the Lord Jesus Christ, is by the Spirit of the Lord. It's got it right there in Second Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, it's not because we, we try and by our own effort, by our own human effort, by trying to be good, but it's by the Holy Spirit that we're changed into the same image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's important for us to understand. And, and that's why I think in, in Hebrews... Uh, the, the author of Hebrews is, is really putting this forward to them. It's the Holy Spirit talking to you. And he's trying to tell you something very important. And so uh, that's where we are there in chapter 3 and verse 7. So turn your Bibles back to Hebrews chapter 3. And so we come to the second point. What is the Holy Spirit saying to them? The quote in the Hebrews 3.7 is from Psalm 95 and verse 7. And it fits perfectly within the context of this chapter in Hebrews. Uh, firstly, we see the urgency of the warning. And uh, we see this because uh, we, we see the word today. It says in, in Hebrews 3.7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today. Okay, it doesn't say, you know, tomorrow, some other time, when it's convenient to you. It says, Today, you need to listen to this warning. The Hebrew believers were on the brink of leaving Christ and they needed to, to repent immediately. That's why the word today is there. They needed to come back to Christ today. It was no good waiting a while to see what would happen. They needed to do it today. I think it's amazing how you know, the verse uh, in Psalms, you know, originally written thousands of years ago, uh, you know, by the psalmist, and then it's, it's repeated in this epistle, and it still has that same urgent message. It still seems to come across as being um, important that we do it today. When, whenever we read these verse, words, it says, Today, if you'll hear his voice. These words were written thousands of years ago, but they're as fresh as they, uh, were, when, as they were when they, they were first penned. 
And that's because the, the consequences of uh, ignoring this warning are so severe. The warning must be heeded today. There is no use putting it off until tomorrow, because tomorrow will be too late. Secondly, the reader is given a choice by the use of the word if. It says, today, if you will hear his voice. If we hear the, the voice of the Spirit, we have a choice whether we act today or we just put it off until um, another day or never. Our will must be exercised. Uh, we must decide to obey or disobey. That's the choice that's given to us in this verse. To refuse to listen is to disobey the voice of the Spirit. To say, tomorrow or another day I will do it, is to disobey the voice of the Spirit. He says, today, if you will hear his voice. He doesn't say, oh, just leave it till you're older. You know, it'll be fine. I remember as a, as a young man thinking that, um, you know, you could put these things off until you, you, you gain some maturity or some life experience. But you can't. The, the, the Word of God tells us that we need to obey right now. Okay, there's, no, uh, the, there's no procrastination here. We need to obey right now. But unfortunately, many Christians put off obeying the Lord until later. And they, they just continue along their way in this, uh, in this state. And, and what happens is, if, if you keep disobeying the voice of God who is clearly telling you to do something today, then you'll just become this wavering, double-minded, carnal Christian. And that's the way you'll stay for a long time, perhaps. Then in the next verse, we see that we are encouraged. This is the crux of the matter. In verse 8, it says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. We're told not to harden our hearts to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're, we're quite familiar with this expression, aren't we? It's seen throughout the Bible, uh, to harden the heart. And although we're familiar with it, it's good to remind ourselves what this means. Our heart is hardened when it ceases to be responsive to the Word of God. We all know that it's not talking about uh, the, the, the heart that pumps blood throughout our bodies. But it's talking about the heart as the seat of our emotions and intellect. Our, our moral centre, if you will. It is our willingness to obey God that is the issue here. Our willingness. When our heart is hardened, we are unwilling to obey. We are determined in our heart to remain indifferent to the word of God. That's what the hardness of the heart is talking about here. It's not necessarily anger which characterizes a hard heart, but it's apathy, not caring. A hard heart may come under the strongest and most earnest preaching, but it's like water off a duck's back. And of course, the, the Bible talks a lot about uh, the hardness of the heart that we can that we can get. So we have to be on guard against it. What causes this hardness of our heart? In Romans chapter two and verse five, we see a clue. Romans chapter two and verse five. 
if you want to turn there, it says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. There's a clue there. But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, that impenitent heart means that uh, we don't want to admit that we're sinners. We don't want to come before God and repent of our sin. That's what impenitent means. It means we sin and we don't care, we don't want to confess our sins before God. And uh, really that's the main reason why our heart can become hardened. It's because of sin. We're holding on to sin. Uh, We sin and we don't want to admit it before God. We don't want to repent of it. We We just want to do our secret little sins and no one wants to, no one can find out about it, and we want to keep doing it, keep it a secret, and not confess it. That's the problem. Uh, and what happens if we do this is our heart becomes hard. Uh, another word for it is our, our conscience can become seared as with a hot iron. First, First Timothy chapter four and verse two says, "Speaking lies in hypocrisy." having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now that's talking about false teachers there in that context, but it's the same for us. Our conscience can become cauterized with the effects of sin. That's what that verse is talking about. Seared with a hot iron. When you get a hot bit of metal, heat it up until it's red hot, and press it on flesh, what happens? You know, it's similar to what happens when you when you brand cattle. I don't know if you've ever been involved with working with cattle, but that, that's what they do. They brand cattle with with a hot iron. They also use it in medicine to, to stop bleeding. Um, you get a, a it's not so much a hot metal. Sometimes with a laser and things like that these days. But with heat, um, if you apply heat to flesh, what happens to it? it becomes hard, doesn't it? Scar tissue forms. And, uh, and, and that flesh is not soft anymore. It's hard. It, it's, it's scar tissue, hardened, because it's burned with a hot iron. And that can happen with our conscience, that hardening of our conscience, where we're, we're, not, we're not sensitive to uh, the Word of God anymore. If you're still in Hebrews chapter 3, look down at verse 13 says, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So again, we have this, this same concept where sin causes the hardening of our hearts. Now, of course, the, uh, the remedy to that is to confess our sins. Uh, we can try uh, not to sin, and that's good. We, should, we ought to try not to sin. But the reality of the matter is that we will um, fall into sin at some point. But it's important for us to confess our sins before God, to repent of our sins, and to, uh, to ask God for forgiveness for those sins, to search our hearts and see uh, if there is any sin that we're holding on to, to bring it before the Lord and ask Him to uh, remove that sin by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, uh, 1 John 1 9 talks about this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's one of the most powerful verses in, in the Bible, I think, because 
it, it shows us what our problem is and it's got some great promises. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just. That's a promise. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and he cleanses us of that unrighteousness. Uh, that, that yucky feeling that we have after we've sinned, that guilt that's upon us, um, the Lord cleanses us from that when we confess our sins before him. And that's powerful stuff. If we're doing that constantly, then guess what? Our heart will not be hardened. And that's a wonderful thing. That's what we ought to be guarding against, and that's what Hebrews 3 is talking about here. And so we come to the last point, the the sin of rebellion. Now, uh, the rest of verse 8 really uh, introduces the, the rest of the chapter where it's talking about the rebellion of the children of Israel as they went through the wilderness wanderings. Um, back in uh, after the Exodus. Now, we're not going to cover all that today, obviously, uh, but it's an introduction into what the next few verses are, are, are talking about. There are basically three ways to understand, uh, you know, the warning that, we're look, that we've looked at in verse 6 and what we're looking at today, and really the, there's a couple of other warnings in this chapter as well. There's basically three ways to understand these warnings, and... There are other warnings as well in Hebrews that we'll get to later on that some people have issues with that are somewhat problematic. So the three ways, three different interpretations, if you like. (coughs) Firstly, the view that the warning is to people that think they are Christians but are really not. That's the first interpretation. That these warnings are given to people like you, who think they're Christians, but in reality they're not. Uh, They might go through their whole life thinking they are saved, but when they die they get a rude shock and find themselves in hell. And this is because at some point they leave the faith and go back into the world, thus proving that they were not really saved in the first place. Now this uh, interpretation uh, probably stems from a Calvinistic view of salvation, you know, the perseverance of the saints, uh, but this interpretation of Hebrews is very widespread. If you, if you read any commentaries on Hebrews, um, it's very likely that this is the view that you'll find in, in that commentary. The second view is that these warnings are given to Christians who believe, but then go on to lose their salvation. Um, this was a popular view with groups such as um, the Methodists, who had an Arminian theology. Yeah, people who believe that you can, you can in fact, lose your salvation of course, we don't, we don't believe that, uh, that, that that is possible. Um, once you are saved, uh, you cannot lose your salvation. So that discounts that view. Uh, the first view is problematic because, uh, for a number of reasons, uh, but as, as Christians, that is, not a, that is not a way that we ought to be living our Christian life. Um, our salvation does not depend on our perseverance as and our faithfulness as Christians. Um, our salvation is wholly dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, he did it all. Um, and to, to live your Christian life like that, I mean, to think that, um, you know, if I don't persevere, if I, if I fall away, if I stop, you know, coming to church and all that, then I'm suddenly not saved. That, that's a very... Uh, problematic way to live your Christian life, isn't it? 
I mean, imagine having that, um, that weight upon you that perhaps you're not really saved. Um, there's no assurance of salvation in that first interpretation of Hebrews. Uh, it means that we can't really be sure if we're saved or not. Okay? Because, you know, there's no guarantee that in 10 years' time I can, you know, stop believing or stop coming to church or fall away, fall into sin. There's no guarantee that that won't happen. And so then, therefore, there's no guarantee that I can be absolutely saved. So it's a, it's a very, uh, although it's a popular view, I, I think there's some problems with that interpretation of Hebrews. But the third view, and one that I prefer, is that these warnings in Hebrews are given to all Christians to warn of the consequences of failing to grow and advance spiritually. We know we can't lose our salvation, nor does our salvation depend on our own perseverance, but what can happen is that we can miss out on the blessings that come with spiritual maturity. Now we saw that a little bit when we looked at the last verse. Uh, We can miss out on the blessings that come with being in the house of Christ if we decide to walk away. If we're not in the house of Christ, we don't have that safety, that spiritual safety and comfort that comes from being close to the Lord. And I'm, and I'm sure most of us can uh, relate to that. Where when we've walked away from the Lord for a time, uh, you know, we're miserable. You know, we're, uh, we don't have that, that joy of salvation that we have when we're walking close to the Lord, do we? And that, that's, that's the kind of thing that we're speaking of here. The, the, the further away that we go from Christ, the, the more that we uh, lose out on the blessings that come from being close to the Lord. And that's really the warning that's seen in Hebrews. We don't uh, have time to fully study the rest of this verse um, as it's uh, connected with the story of Israel's rebellion in the wilderness. Uh, I think there's enough for us here to meditate upon tonight. You know, the, the speaking of the Holy Spirit to us through his word, uh, the hardening of our hearts, um, how this applies to us, the urgency of uh, needing to, um, to, to, to not let sin harden our hearts. I think that, that's, that's the main point here tonight for us. And I think that's enough for us to, to go out into this week and to, to think about. Uh, because, you know, uh, you know, we're all going to come across this at some point. Maybe some of us are struggling with this tonight. Uh, that we can feel our hearts getting hardened, that we can feel ourselves uh, walking away from the Lord and the Holy Spirit saying, no, today, if you will hear that voice, harden not your hearts. So uh, we'll leave our study here tonight and uh, we'll pick it up uh, next time.